0: Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity.
1: I'm Julia Beattie. I'm a singer-songwriter.
2: I'm Dave Ronald, a guitarist, musician, and studio owner.
1: You don't have to have the big support from the record label, and that very much was changing while we were in music school. Really, where you do need the help is in the marketing. Everyone's got a CD these days.
0: Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents?
1: You know, I didn't know as a musician or even a singer, but I was always gravitating towards the artist, towards the poets, the musicians, even in university. It took me a bit longer because I didn't know that you could do that in your life.
0: We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host Marvin Polis. Not joining me this time is our co-host Fred Keating because Fred is in some exotic location right now doing some interviews and well I'm in another exotic location. I'm actually off the west coast of Canada. I'm on Salt Spring Island. We've been here before and just to kind of put that on the map for you that's Off the mainland, it's about an hour and a half ferry ride. It's in the Gulf Islands of Canada. It's a fantastic artist's enclave. And I'm back outside the quirky, famous Treehouse Cafe where one of our guests today, well, actually both of them have been known to perform. And with me is Julia Beatty. Say hello, Julia. Hello. And joining us via Skype is Julia's partner in music. He's in Weimar, British Columbia, which is near Nelson. And I think for our international listeners, you're going to need to Google map that. Say hello, Dave. Hello there. It's also close to Shambhala Music Festival. Splendid. Hey, guys, glad you could join us. Julia, tell me about the music that you guys produce together.
1: Oh, well, we've been working on an album sort of long distance. Uh, We've been meeting once a year for a few years here, getting an album together. It's different. Uh, Dave really loves playing kind of heavy guitar and uh, I do my sort of light uh, vocals over the top of it.
0: You're working on an album together. It's not your first album though, is it?
1: No, that's right. My first one actually came from a film score that my ex-partner and I did together. We wrote the songs, actually 50 songs, 50 pieces of music, and the album came from that. That's called The Orchid Room.
0: Now, Dave, we mentioned that you are near Nelson, British Columbia, and I understand that the two of you actually went to school together. Tell us about this.
2: It was, I guess, sad to say almost 20 years ago now that uh, we... we, Ah. I know, it breaks my heart, but uh, showed up into uh, Nelson, (laughs) B.C., and uh, just... (laughs) was surrounded by a bunch of inspirational people, and then we just definitely had this instant connection, music connection. We did anything from coffee shops together, we had a rock and roll band that played all sorts of fusion, beautiful, sultry stuff that Julia excels in. And then over the years, we obviously live apart from each other, but loved collaborating, and it's been fun to to just keep nurturing that relationship.
0: And Dave, what possessed the two of you to turn this into a career?
2: Music is definitely a hard, <laughs> hard thing to make your career from. It's a lot of love and desire and hours to put in it, but it's about inspiration and sharing mentorship. Like when I went to the music school, There was a lot of mentors that shared their experience with me, taught me a lot of things, and now it's kind of neat to be passing that on to the younger generation and just trying to share the experience.
0: Fantastic. And Julia, speaking of mentorship, what have you learned about the music business that you like to pass along?
1: So many things. I mean, I came to music kind of later in life. I went to music school when I was 27. The first thing I started to do once I learned so deep in my knowledge of singing was I started to teach voice, and that's something I never knew about. So this one component which is go out there and do it and try it. I didn't know that's what I was, you know, I didn't know as a musician or even a singer, but I was always gravitating towards the artists, towards the poets, the musicians, even in university. So um, it took me a bit longer because I didn't know that you could do that in your life, you know, that you could do it. And, and I also didn't know that if you love it so much as part of your soul, you have to do it, it's actually not a choice. So those parts in terms of emotional knowing, you know, I would hand that out and it's just doing it is the only way you can get more confidence and be out there. But I've been lucky enough to do some jobs, so teaching, as as I say, was one thing. I've been in musicals, I've done soundtracks and recording. I love recording in the studio, so that's something you can start very early on if you work on your singing. I think working on and investing in what you're going to be doing is worth it, so be it lessons or other things, it's great. You're going to have it for the rest of your life, hopefully. Um, but I was also lucky enough to work for Randy Backman, his record label. So that was also at the time where a really good friend of mine who I play with brought me into the company. And from that, I really learned a lot about really tracking your music. Like, you know, get it into SoCan, Try and do the gigs that get you ticket prices and try and reap some of that amount of money that's in that big bucket, let's say, and try and get some of it. So there's lots of little things along the way, and I think now is is an amazing time for that. Even when we went to school, that wasn't necessarily there.
0: Now, for the benefit of those listeners who are not Canadian, explain SOCAN.
1: <laughs> I hope I can do it justice. <laughs> um, I think it's the Society of Canadian Artists. So I'm not sure what the N stands for. Dave, do you know? I do not. <laughs> National. <laughs>
0: Okay, we'll have to look that up and put it in the show notes, folks.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to have to look that one up. But basically, it's it's sort of saying that you have to have a hard recording of your music in order to get your songs on there. So whatever content you have, you know, whether you're the artist, uh, you write and the music is yours, it kind of splits it all up and... Basically, you know, you send them the hard recording and once you're in, you can just keep sending them your lyrics and your new songs and register them. So what it means is, you know, there's a bar, there's a restaurant, there's a theater. Anyone who is, basically, I think they have to be part of So Can. You have to pay a certain amount to this body and that money all goes into a big pot. And so then as people are playing, say, at these locations or maybe they're on a radio in a store, or they're on a movie and a soundtrack, they have a certain percentage of money that they're eligible for. But you have to be proactive about that. You know, if you're gonna do a gig, you know, where ticket prices are over a certain amount, you have to send a poster, and your set list and how many of those originals and so on. So it's the part of the back end that people don't really realize can be making you money with your original songs as you carry on.
0: So it's a way of songwriters and artists to get paid for the things that they produce. And there are organizations like this in other
1: countries, right? Absolutely, yeah everywhere.
0: Now Dave I wanted to talk about your studio because I understand that you have a wonderful studio in your home. I suspect that this is a way that you keep the costs of your recording within the zone that the two of you are willing to accept. Tell us about this.
2: Definitely. I uh, have a dedicated music studio down in the basement of our house and designed and built the house. The initial floor plan had a split concrete slab for the vocal room and for the isolation room. And uh, definitely it's something that I love to share with any artists that I work with um, and it definitely is a way to keep your costs down and also you can turn around and market that studio to other local artists and that's another stream of revenue especially for where I live um, it's a fairly small scene so you have to be fairly diversified like give some guitar lessons, and play some shows, and I just finished doing a musical Rock of Ages at the Capitol Theatre. We did six shows there, and then the recording studio. You just have to do a little mix of this and that and the other thing to be a musician that makes it these days.
0: (laughs) So I guess you can live in a small town as you do, actually as both of you do, and you can still make a go of it, and you can still have your career, but I think I hear you saying that you really need to be diversified, right Dave?
2: The more things that you can offer, and the more people that you have contacts with, the better chance you have. If you can, as a guitar player, learn how to pick up the bass, all of a sudden you got twice as many potential gigs out there. There's all sorts of things that if you're willing, then it can keep you busy.
0: And Julia, I know the two of you write and record together. Do you perform live as well?
1: Do you know, actually, we haven't done that yet, to tell you the truth. We did, of course, when we were in the same location. That is, I think, in the plans of something we'd like to do. Of course, it's nice being professional musicians, because we could work everything up apart from each other and then just come together fairly in short fairly short notice to get gigs together or do a show with Dave's son being quite young that hasn't been a possibility yet but I'm kinda thinking it will be in the future so the treehouse hasn't been lucky enough to have him yet but I think that's gonna happen (laughs) and that's actually one thing I wanted to say I mean I met you at the treehouse Marvin and of course we have the amazing Mark LaCour owner and incredible sound man. That's one thing that's really important about these small towns. If basically if I didn't have Mark in the treehouse here, I think it would be a different story to tell you the truth because there's often not enough places to play to get you through the winter. Even just in terms of places to share your music with and he is just devoted and incredible. He spoiled me completely because he makes us sound like rock stars, right? So you don't wanna go anywhere else. That kind of intention in that community, both Nelson and here are really beautiful, supportive, artistic communities. And it's not just any small town, I think.
0: Right, you really need the live venues in order to start building your fan base, right?
1: Absolutely. That's how we got going when we were in Nelson. didn't we Dave? We had the Glacier Gourmet we had the Royal, there were any number of places, small places to play as students and it meant the world, you know, because you come out of there a couple years later working in lots of different studios and you have lots of experience.
0: Now I understand that the two of you are working on a new album now. Dave, briefly tell me about this.
2: Right now it's just at developmental stages, we're uh, exchanging ideas, I've got a drummer coming over tomorrow, I've got some new grooves that I want him to lay the beds to and then I'll forward that to Julia. So there's even some incredibly fresh stuff that she hasn't even heard of yet. And I'm sure she's got a bunch of great ideas that she's going to send my way too. Often I'll record a bunch of the beds and then either drop box them to Julia or send a CD. And then she comes back with lyrics. And when we get together, the tracking happens.
0: That's fantastic. This is great because we live in an age now where you don't actually need to be in the same place all of the time. But I do suspect you get together in studio for some of the time, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Generally speaking, I'm kind of old school, so I love having the CD to work with, but it gives me that prep time just to start thinking about melodies. And it's kind of fascinating, you know, I I always think, oh, you never know creatively what's going to come out of you. And the combinations with people I love writing with other people. I find if I write songs myself, they just go a certain direction. But with other people, it's this whole amazing thing that you have no control over. And so it's just a joy to do. So I'll often listen to stuff, get some melody ideas. I may not even think I have anything. We'll go there, hang out in Dave and Jen's hot tub, you know, he'll be laying tracks in the basement, and uh, I was like, oh, I wrote a song. The only problem is I keep dropping my books into the hot tub.
0: (laughs) Well, definitely don't drop the keyboard into the hot tub, Julia.
1: For sure, i got to be careful. But, you know, and then it's just been a beautiful thing. It's very short periods of time, but it doesn't have to be a lot. And I think that's really nice for people to know, too. It's the habit. It's doing little bits and working on it when you can. Even if you're not able to do it full time, you can do a lot of creative things.
0: Now with the completion of this album being imminent, are you starting to think about marketing? What's on your mind as to how you're going to sell this?
1: Yeah, marketing is, I'd actually really love to take some marketing classes. There's just a number of things out there these days, right? Um, Of course, I've got my first album on there. You know, it's already being distributed digitally, CD, Baby, and iTunes, and so on. So, of course, there's those given things. But my friend Suzanne Little, who I also sing with, uh, focuses on these things. She used to work at the, like, record label as well. And I think for sure she'd be somewhere that I would start because she's got a really good idea of this digital distribution. But that's it. I mean, digital is it these days. I mean, Radiohead, they're all doing it all of it digitally I think they only release their album that way it's sort of almost too cumbersome for a lot of people to have the physical thing anymore
0: so Dave you will be pressing CDs but you're really looking to making your money online is that correct
2: like I said it's such a changing changing time there's also the USB data sticks where you can have your whole band portfolio and uh, all your backlog links audio videos there's definitely vinyl interesting is coming back and pretty funky and hip and uh yeah definitely digital distribution and and live shows is something that just can't be pirated or 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 taken away that experience of being in an audience and witnessing a jaw-dropping performance that's irreplaceable and then if you have something for people to walk away with that they can remember that from that's almost the way i think that it's moving i mean prince uh was the man just like so brilliant even like here's my album it's fifty dollars but you also get a ticket included in that price you know you gotta rewrite your approaches these days
1: he's amazing hey actually that reminds me of Joseph Arthur I was in Ireland traveling and went to see one of his shows and every show he does he does interactive live art while he's doing it and then at the end you're given a recording of that show like, it's just a beautiful idea, you know, just completely embedded in your memory then of where you were. I remember the pub. I remember where I was, and it just stuck with me. It's a really good idea, and I love vinyl too, Dave. Let's do that. <laughs> and I remember you only
2: tipped 10% instead of 15 <laughs> Right? (laughs) (laughs) So part of what I think
0: I hear the two of you saying is that you don't really need a record company anymore. You just need to be innovative with your own marketing tactics.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as I say, that's from the record label and having all these amazing people nearby around me. That is really what's happening these days. You don't have to have the big support. And that very much was changing while we were in music school. And then when I was working for this record label, it was absolutely happening right then, where you no longer needed that. I mean, really where you do need the help is in the marketing afterwards and once you've got something made. So it's tricky out there. Everyone's got a CD these days, but at the same time, people know quality when they hear it.
0: You know what? We're sitting next to the harbor and there comes a the seaplane. <laughs> this happens just about every time We do an interview here at the Treehouse Cafe. It's right next to the harbor, and a float plane is, I don't know if he's taking off or or if it's landing, but there there it goes. But you know what? This is probably a good time for us to actually play a sample of your music from your past album. Julia, what would you like us to listen to?
1: Oh, that's a really good question, Marvin. Lose my self-control.
0: Lose my self-control. Here it is. Julia, that was great. Julia, Dave, is there anything else that needs to be said before
2: we wrap up?
1: I think we could talk forever, but I think that starts at just believing in yourself and do it if you love it, do it.
2: Dave, will give you the last word. The sky's the limit as long as you're open and willing to work hard and uh, not burn bridges and just keep learning and being a sponge. That's what uh, I want to learn until there's no more learning left in me.
0: (laughs) Be a sponge. Dave says, be a sponge. And I see Julia nodding her head. Let's leave it at that.